Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Alleluia. Amen. The sun was just rising, but I couldn't sleep. I stepped up from my bed as gently as possible so as not to disturb the people who were sleeping around me, especially Martha, my sister, who had come to bed late. I tiptoed through the still unfamiliar house, a larger one than I had ever been in, to the kitchen hearth at the back of the courtyard, where I stirred up the embers of the fire until it came back to life. I added a bit of wood and set the kettle over it. Others were rising soon, and I wouldn't be the only one longing for that morning cuppa. While I waited for the kettle, I checked the pantry, not that Martha wouldn't have done that the day before. And I remembered how she had laughed when I had wound up making bread beside her. This is what it took, she exclaimed merrily, to get you to help in the kitchen. Indeed, it had taken the trauma of the crucifixion, the shock of the resurrection, the public miracle of Pentecost. It took the fulfillment of so many of our hopes that the work our teacher had done, all the healings, all the lessons, would begin to finally make a real difference in this world, would begin to stir in more hearts than just ours who had followed him while he lived. Now the community that we had dreamed together, the beloved community in which we cared for each other and shared abundantly and ate and worked and lived as one people was finally taking shape here in this very house as in other houses around Jerusalem as people joined us and opened their lives to ours. And I was back in the kitchen. The water boiled and I mixed in the stuff brought by an early convert, a trader, who had introduced quite a bit of variety to our daily meals. I wasn't totally sure what it was. Martha would know. I just knew that the scent would bring others out of their beds, so I dipped my own clay cup into the brew and slipped over to a quiet corner. I hadn't seen that trader much since the first few days. He'd come through the kitchen on his way to the temple in the mornings, grab a bite to eat, greet those who had started to prepare the day's meals, and then slip out into the street. In the beginning, he had stayed in the kitchen with us, and I remembered him with Martha, heads bent over a pot as they experimented with the new spices from his sacks. But I had encouraged him to come with me to the temple, to learn from the apostles, to find the balance between work and learning a balance that had somehow ended up with me working and him learning, which was fair, I guess, since I'd actually gotten to learn from Jesus and I'd had my time already. I made a mental note to speak to Peter again, or maybe Magdalene, as we called her. There were so many Marys. Because maybe he'd listen to her if he wouldn't listen to me. Maybe he and the others could hear from her that the teaching in the temple was good and brought new people daily into our community, but that the constant influx was a logistical nightmare. The need to bake bread and more bread, to prepare huge pots of stew daily, 
meant that there was no break from the work, to worship, or to learn, or even to rest. And that, sure, we had decided, as a community, to have those who already knew what they were doing, working to feed and clothe and find housing for all the new folks. Just until things settled down. But it had been weeks, during which the people who knew what they were doing, mostly the women, found themselves doing the housework, day in and day out, with no respite. I closed my eyes, remembering what it had been to sit at Jesus' feet. What it had been to hear him tell my sister that I'd chosen a good portion. And how, after he was done teaching us, he'd quietly helped Martha get the table ready. Seeming to know just what needed to be done without having to be asked. Unlike James yesterday, who had stood beside me as I laid out the plates and cups, talking about some argument that they'd had with the scribe at the temple... Until finally, I'd asked him to take the plates to the table. And he took the whole stack, still talking. No break in that whatsoever. And he set it down at the end of the table. And was very offended when I asked him specifically to set a plate at each place with a cup, please, and thank you. And it wasn't that I didn't want to hear what he had to say. It wasn't that I didn't want to learn what they had learned in that argument and what they had gotten out of it. But it had suddenly felt a very, very long time since I had been present for arguments like that. Since James had been the one back in the kitchen doing the actual literal work of feeding the community. I had hoped that he and his brother might have gotten over their little conceit about sitting at Jesus' right hand in glory. Apparently, that glory didn't involve setting a table. A few people were awake now, helping themselves to the kettle, starting to prepare the morning meal. I noticed that Ben's limp finally seemed better after his run-in with the temple guards, who had been suspicious of what a Samaritan might be doing in Jerusalem. Peter and Matthias had carried him back, bruised and bleeding. And as Salome had washed his wounds, Peter had spoken to all of us about the injustice of the attack. An injustice, he said, that we would not let go unanswered. And then he had turned to Ben, who was still being bandaged, assuring him of our solidarity, using words of Samaritan slang that fell hesitantly, awkwardly, from his mouth. And when Ben winced, it didn't seem to be from the bandage that Salome was securing in place. The next afternoon, all of the houses in our community had signs out front. Samaritan lives matter. But surely I wasn't the only one who heard the murmurs that such signs were only making us targets. That Ben should have just done what the guards asked, because if they beat him like that, it must have meant that he was belligerent. And surely I wasn't the only one wondering whether a sign by itself was actually solidarity. Now I watched Ben move slowly, trying not to spill his cup as he limped to sit alone at a table. And behind him, I saw Joseph. Joseph, who had once owned this house, and who now stood, arms crossed, staring through narrowed eyes at the back of Ben's head, just staring. If Joseph was up, then probably Shoshana was too, counting the plates that had once been hers. 
Martha would hear about it if any had been broken. We'd hear again the story of how they had had Caiaphas to dinner that one time, and how he had complimented the elegance of her table. She would hear the sigh of all that had been sacrificed for the sake of becoming disciples. Sometimes it seemed Shoshana hadn't quite let go of thinking of the house as hers, thinking of herself as the host. Several women had come to me in recent days questioning the teachings that had brought them here into a community where we promised justice and mercy and equality in the sight of God, but where they felt constantly reminded in subtle ways of the fact that they had been the recipients of charity and not the providers. The door to the street opened and a couple stepped cautiously into the bustle of breakfast time. Another pair of new converts, it seemed, ready to step from hearing the word into participating in it. Magdalene's face lit up and she crossed the courtyard to greet them. The young woman smiled shyly at her, but the husband barely glanced, and I knew from her suddenly tense smile that he had asked for Peter instead. And suddenly I wanted to cry. I wanted to go back to my bed and hide because it all seemed too much. The move from sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him tell us about the possibilities of the kingdom, to actually trying to live in it. It felt like trying to leap across the Sea of Galilee in a single bound. Why had we thought this would be easy? To let go of all of our assumptions, all of our ways of being, all of the ways that we had been taught from the time we were babes in arms. Why had we thought it would be easy to give away and to give our heart space from the objects and the roles and the status that each of us had embodied and often taken for granted. Each day, new people walked into our lives, excited by what this new way offered to them, but unprepared for what it was going to ask them in return. Not just to acknowledge that Magdalene was every bit as much an apostle as Peter ever was, but to sit with the uncomfortable truth that people were always more willing to hear him speak than they were to listen to her. Not just to feed, the, feed and house the hungry and the homeless, but to see them as more than their needs and more than our ability to give charity. Not just to speak the words of justice that the world needs, not just to put out a symbolic sign to tell others that we stand with Ben, but to examine how we still are around him how we are still on edge around him, having been taught to hate people like him. How we still wonder if he isn't partly to blame, perhaps, for what happened. And how none of this seems to be convincing him that we actually think his life matters. It had seemed a simple thing, when the spirits swirled around us, to think that we had been cleansed of all the old ways, unified in the power that God showed to all people, and free to create something new, something we had long dreamed of. But I wonder now if any of our dreams had included the discomfort of our own growth. I wonder now if we didn't all dream a future in which everyone was like us, and we were the heroes. I shook myself, swallowed down the lump that was still in my throat, and determined to go to the temple today. Peter could take my place beside Martha, I'd just mention again that 
Jesus told him to feed his lambs. That usually worked. Because as much as it was easier to go with the flow and assume we'd sort things out when we could all stop to catch our breath, sometimes you just have to do what's right instead of what's easy. Sometimes you have to live the words you speak, even when they are uncomfortable, even when they make you a target. Sometimes you need to remember that old things need to end before anything new can begin. That before the spirit could move among us, there had to be that uncertainty of an empty tomb. I took my cup back to where Martha was now directing the day's baking, waved to her as I headed for the door and laughed as she rolled her eyes at me and then waved me out on my way. Creating this community in the way that Jesus had envisioned it would take time and patience and perseverance. But I trusted Jesus' faith in us to make this dream a reality. I entered the temple with the other apostles, renewed in my hope that the church could yet find a way through the discomfort and the fear to become a new creation, just and merciful and loving as Jesus had always believed that we could be. Thanks be to God. Amen.